Hey, Mayday listeners, it's Justin. Real quick before we get into the third of our Testaments Book Club podcast, wanted to let you know that you should head over to our Facebook page, at Handmade Podcast. Once again, at Handmade Podcast, like Handmade, Handmaid's Tale. And check out Handmade Halloween 2019. It's our October promotion. All month long, we're giving away all kinds of good stuff. We're having daily contests. And for all our daily winners, you'll be eligible to win the grand prize, which is a awesome poster that is signed by members of cast and crew of The Handmaid's Tale, as well as a signed script from episode one of season one, signed by Mr. Bruce Miller, writer, producer, and showrunner for The Handmaid's Tale. So without further ado, here is episode three of our Testaments Book Club podcast featuring Tiana, Angie, and Leah. Have a good one, guys. See ya. Is this it? Mayday. Is it? Yes. Hello, Mayday listeners. Uh, Welcome back to our uh, Testaments book club episodes. This is show three of four. We're almost there. Yes, we are. Very excited. There's three of us today. Who's here? Yenji's back. I am Leah, and I'm back, too. We both missed last week. We did. Yeah. 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 So we're excited to... I swapped out friends. Yeah. Oh, you did? For the episode. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. Um, Yeah, it was Whitney and Sarah last time Mm -hmm. uh, here with me at the table. So glad to have you, ladies. We missed you. And last week was great. It was a great episode. I listened. Yeah, thanks. It was a lot of opinions. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So um, this was a really kind of a ride in this section. We read pages 210, no, 209 to, I believe, 309. Mm-hmm. And boy, a lot happened. Oh, yes, yeah. for sure. Uh, let's tackle this as usual with uh, Aunt Lydia first, and then let's see, the person that was up next was Agnes, and then Daisy. So that's the order they ap- appeared in the um, section we read for today. So, Lydia... Always up yeah. to interesting tricks. What did you guys think for this time? I feel like you definitely get to know more about um, what her motives are and the way that she's working everyone around uh, her yes. to her advantage. Every single Every person. Every single person. She can play the game. The ants, the, you know, uh, Pearl Girls to the Commanders. Yes. It, it's um, Especially Commander Judd. Like, oh, she yes. has got... A lot more going on with Commander Judd, not like going on, right. a lot more um, <laughs> behind the scenes, like information with Commander Judd than with anybody else, it seems, which, you know, given what we know about her from The Handmaid's Tale, seems amazing that there could be somebody that she has yet even more information on than the handmaids or the lower ranking commanders that get handmaids placed in their homes. And obviously it makes you wonder sort of what is their relationship, right? Yeah. And, and why? Because I don't, I think the sense that we can get as, you know, reading the section is that she doesn't have that relationship with every other commander. It's just. Oh, no, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah. yeah. So. And he seems to be the leader of the commanders, mm-hmm. you know, as a founding commander. It weirds me out that they call them founders, FYI, because I think of like founders as like more benevolent people, <laughs> less evil than mm-hmm. this group. And they call um, the ants founders too, really. Yes, that, that they really do. Four. They do. Yeah. Which, you know, a couple of the ants seem a little more um innocuous. But yeah, man, Lydia and Vidala have got the got the claws out mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. And having finished the book, I will tell you that relationship's very interesting. Well, huh. Spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> I, why are you walking away with the wine? <laughs> Sorry, well, interruption yeah. for snacks. Well, I'm afraid that that's yeah. Too. I was gonna follow. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, let me pour some, please, and mm-hmm. make it make it less top heavy. There you go. All right. Do you want us to not talk while you pour? Um, no. Continue. So, I in this section, in, it opens up with Aunt Lydia um, figuring out what to do with Becca, and so um, what whether or not they will take her as a aunt. 
when Aunt Lydia is prodding Becca about her past and the things that Becca is willing to share, you know, we know that Aunt Lydia knows what Becca's father is all about. Mm -hmm. She knows everything. Right, exactly. Um, And I think it's, you know, the last line of this chapter, the last couple paragraphs, where Aunt, Aunt Lydia says, many are called out, but few are chosen, I thought. Though that was not true at Arjua Hall, only a handful of the called have had to be discarded. Surely the girl Becca would be one of our keepers. She was a damaged houseplant, but cared for properly, she would bloom. And um, There's so many references to the young women in this world mm -hmm. as flowers Flowers, and, you know, things that you grow. And, like, even pearls, like, that's a thing that you polish and hone. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. very interesting how they think about young women. Even so even the young women that are like in Gilead's like good graces, yeah. essentially. So confused about her motives here too. Like not only with Becca, but with um, Agnes too. Oh you yeah. You know, like she was almost she was the one that first planted the seed in Agnes's head of, hey, if you feel a calling to be an aunt, like say yeah. so now. Do you and feel she the did calling so after Becca was there? Right. So it made right. me wonder, like. Has she been keeping tabs on Agnes this whole time? So she already knows that Becca is a good friend of Agnes. Yeah. And like that would be a good way to get her in. And for her or to is say this yes. like a, you know, Becca came and then she did some digging around about Becca and she knew that her father was a terrible person. So like maybe she just started looking into things and it was like, nice surprise. It's Agnes. <laughs> I don't know. I think she knew the whole time. Yeah. I, yeah. Just, I don't think it's out of You think goodwill. this is part of a master I just plan? Don't. I, I do. Right. Yeah. Yes. She does. Um, even before she starts um, interacting with Agnes about becoming um, an aunt with her friend Becca, mm-hmm. we see that uh, Lydia is referencing to um, Commander Judd her plans to try to bring baby Nicole, a.k.a. Daisy, back to Gilead. And getting that information so far up front in this section, then when it was revealed that she was trying to get Agnes to Aruda Hall, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Right. These two humans don't know that the other one exists and that they are sisters. Right. Um, Is this, like, part of a plan to, like, doom one of them i don't mm-hmm. know like so many things ran through my mind or she's so unpredictable the baby nicole plan you right. know kind well, of reveal this truth and agnes is already an aunt and baby nicole is yeah like to be is an she aunt, gonna maybe? use agnes who is older too right, right. to like subjugate daisy and like help get her to do what gilead wants there's so many things so many possible evil plans. We just don't know if we can trust Aunt Lydia, I guess, or what then, her motives are. So. Well, toward the end of this reading, she implies that she wants to bring about the downfall of Gilead, which was shocking to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had her pegged as, like, a true, true believer. I think she's made it really clear over time that, like, she is a true, true survivalist. And this is what she has to do to survive, so she's down with that. But, like... When she starts talking about, I'm sorry, I didn't like get the page ahead of time. When she starts talking about worrying that she might be actually helping Gilead when she wants to hurt them, mm-hmm. I was so confused. I'm, yeah, like I'm just confused. I felt like in my mind, her position switched a whole bunch of times during this hundred pages. And this part in the beginning, um, it's the beginning of the first chapter we read. She's kind of talking about um, being bored, and yeah. she wished for, I don't know, maybe a beheading or... Yeah, kind of terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's just, is this just her wanting turmoil, you know, in general, just to um, amuse herself? Well, so I confused. Also think it's, it's a distraction to what her overall plan I is. I think so, right? too. So That's kind of what I thought it might be. something's happening in the background... Then it causes enough stir mm-hmm. to where the attention isn't like, hey, what's Aunt Lydia doing? Yeah, or, definitely. What might she be up to? And I feel like that's when she's like at the peak of her power is when there's like crazy stuff going on. Like she learns a lot about other key players or other maybe not so important people in Gilead, but that have huge secrets that then can be deployed to her greater use later. And I think you know, that's got to be hard to do in times of calm when people are just fine. Astute enough in the eavesdropping that she does, right? Oh my gosh, the yeah. And about, the filming. And putting mm-hmm. their, the pieces together of what these people's past have been and drawing the connections between um, people in power and how she can bring them down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What did you guys think about all of the revelations in this reading 
about the extensive uh, camera work that she has set up everywhere. This is another one of those times, like, when in the show really early on, there was, like, a random episode where the the commander was using a laptop. And I was like, oh, yeah. They have they have modern technology. I forgot because like there aren't even words on most things and it seems like the dark ages, but no. They have like drones and things too. Yeah, I will tell you that's where I struggle because I feel like that's going away from the book. And like I said the first time, I have not yeah. read the handmade still in a long time, but what I do remember is that you know, well, it, I, I think know, part of that was due to the time it was written, written in. Too. You know, sure. technology wasn't a huge part of our daily lives then. Most people didn't have computers. Um, so it was a really different thing. Um, I found it really interesting that it was added into the show, knowing that, um, Atwood had so much influence over what didn't, didn't make it into the show. You know, Bruce Miller is making the calls, but with Margaret Atwood, you know, in, in, (laughs) yeah, in regular consultation and he really wants to stay true to the source material. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really interesting that they put that in there in the mm-hmm. show, and even more interesting now that it's in the Testaments. And advanced technology, too. Yeah. I just don't understand. Where are they getting Where are they this? getting, like, they're where not are they getting R&D with, funds? Right. And they're not, who is, who is the brains behind this? They're not trading with China for technology. No, I mean, I guess maybe, I they, maybe they went out of their way early on in the, like, war and purges to... To keep bring it, Yeah, bring in yeah. a lot of intelligent people who work in these fields that... I mean, let's face it, a lot of our technology has double uses in war today. Um, So maybe they maybe that was part of their like big strategy was like keep those people around, Mm -hmm. make sure they don't get all executed or uh, don't escape to Canada or wherever because we are going to need them. And I think that that the sons of Jacob kept what they needed when they were creating. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, to their, I think we can make that generalization. Yeah. Um, I think especially given what we've learned in this book so far about like how they made the aunts, like the, the holder holders of the female power in Gilead to really mold to their purpose. Mm-hmm. So clearly a lot of forethought and planning. I would agree. And then, you know, I also feel like they're the keeper of knowledge, too, right? Yeah. It's, it's also very powerful, knowing that they wouldn't allow women to learn how to read and write. And we saw a lot of that, right, in this mm-hmm. section. Yeah. And like, letters, what are those? Uh-huh. How do those, you know, make yeah. sounds? And Oh, man, that was an astounding statement. What are those? Exactly. What are letters? Yeah. yeah. Just not being able to recognize what we take so, you know, for granted in everyday mm-hmm. life. And um but then the idea that all of those books and things are in Arjua Hall, where all the yeah, women are, it, right. just, is, it yeah. just doesn't make much sense to me as to why yeah. Gilead would do that. I mean, it does now, having finished, like, understanding what the overall purpose of um, of this book was and sort of what they were getting at. But, I don't know, it just seems sort of silly that the commanders would be okay with that, but the not teach people the alphabet. I don't know. And why, I mean, in their eyes, why women for ants, right? Like they could have still built this whole universe and just put men in the place of where the ants are now. That's true. So it's kind of interesting, like, do they just not want to deal with the other women so the ants are in charge of that or what? I feel like there's definitely a part of that, like especially with the younger women who need to be subjugated very quickly quickly and in a very thorough manner so that they can be indoctrinated young and they Mm -hmm. will grow up to be proponents of Gilead in the world, but also to make sure that they're immediately weeding out the people who would be fighting to the end. Like that seemed to be a large part of why they did what they did to the elder educated women Mm -hmm. that they rounded up in the stadium. Right. Right. So I think a lot of it had to do with like you you chosen women will deal with all the other lady problems, um, and and then we can get down to the real business. Which is such a typical man thing. You know, <laughs> like that adds up. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Pro tip for any young female listeners out there: if you ever want to uh, be excused from a room very quickly, um, just let whoever is in charge in that room that is a man know that you need to go take care of some lady problems, and they won't even question what it is. You will just be allowed to go and take care of whatever you need to. (laughs) So I thought it was interesting that um, we started out with Agnes's, um, you know, impending marriage. Mm -hmm. And then I was 
somehow not at all surprised it was Commander Jed. <laughs> yeah. Oh my I gosh, mean, like, I know. you know, a little surprised, but like, that is the worst possible scenario, I think. Like, he clearly murders all of his, his young wives, wives so he can get new ones. Um, yeah. Oh, random side note. Did you guys find it really interesting that when um, Lydia talked about Becca's father, the dentist, mm-hmm. she made it very clear that she was not willing to tolerate that and that he needed to be removed. That I think she even said retribution is due. But she is able to look past Commander Judd's uh, cyclical killing of his young wives. I think what makes it work, if I'm, and I'm just speculating, is that maybe it was because it was a father to his child, maybe yeah. that didn't sit well with Lydia. Or and maybe because he's a dentist and not a commander, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He had a much lower standing lower, in society, yeah. not just a young, not just a lower commander. He was not a commander. And if we think back, wasn't that the sec- second section where we found out a little bit about Aunt Lydia and her background? Mm-hmm. And she definitely had a tenuous relationship with her own father mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, an abusive one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she was definitely held back at, by her family at large. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe she's just speaking out of what her own personal experience was and the way that she acts towards um, Agnes and her, or excuse me, Becca and her response to what happens with her father. And I think I mean, it was. I'm not excusing either, you right, know, trust right. me, but. Um, and I do think there was some compassion there, maybe. She didn't show a whole lot, um, but I do think it was more of a status thing and the nature of the crime mm-hmm. than her yeah. feelings sad do you think do you think if commander dread was somebody who was you know a powerful commander but not essentially her boss mm, would yeah. she have done something maybe i don't know or i feel like she definitely has enough information to yeah pull that yeah, on i think she's basically anybody she needs to use it so. uh-huh. yeah oh yeah that's a good point and that's the yeah, yeah i don't think she's gonna pounce on him for that because she she's not ready she wants it to be on yeah, her turn. That wouldn't be so. terribly beneficial for her. Correct. Plus, and also, what if he gets replaced by somebody she, she doesn't have a ton of dirt on? And the other thing is, how would she really prove that that's the case? I mean, we're right. I mean, I feel like she surely has proof. And I mean, to take him down just because of what he does with his wives, or take him down generally. I mean, she didn't take down the dentist because of what he did to young girls. Mm-hmm. She staged a rape of an aunt, right? And that's pretty different than than what was actually happening. As she says later on, he can't defend himself by saying, I could never rape her because I'm into girls. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a... Yeah, <laughs> he had no defense. It's not a thing that he could say in public. Anyway, I digress. I was just really interested in that when it came up in the book. I will say, no, that's interesting. bad for Agnes, though, of having to um, be married off to that commander yeah just the fear that must have been going through her mind oh yeah and it got dark for any way i I definitely did yeah i mean she was contemplating i think any way to get out oh yeah so not only just suicide but really homicidal thoughts and yeah and i mean just no one to turn to even the marthas and i think she even scared herself because i don't know if she realized just what she was capable of just to get out of the situation Mm -hmm. so um and then paula trying to come in to uh Trying to take her back and then having Aunt Lydia squash that was, I could visualize just. That was kind of fantastic. Uh huh. Paula getting put in her place, how she got it. That was a moment where I was totally rooting for Lydia and felt fine about it. Exactly. (laughs) I love the interactions between the aunts and the wives. Oh, me too. So So interesting. interesting. I'm sure they're not always that interesting, but whenever it's with Lydia, probably way more so Mm -hmm. because she just wields so much power. I, I think that was a little bit ahead where um, where Paula comes in and gets put in her place by Lydia. But I still, again, just felt so terrible for Agnes in this section. Because mm-hmm. it, it was a long section where she just was dreading the wedding mm-hmm. with the dress and the this and the that. And, you know. you, question for you guys on her dread of the wedding and the, like, pomp and circumstance that was being kind of visited upon her by the impending wedding. Was it... More or less fucked up than the uh, team in the Hunger Games that came to prep the young people uh, <gasps> with Effie Trinket to, you know, be pretty and, you know, be polished, literally polished and waxed yeah. and, you know, 
made up with makeup and, you know, fed glorious food and then things that would make you throw it up so that you could have more mm-hmm. for the sole purpose of entertaining the rest of the country with your death. Mm-hmm. More or less fucked up. I can't decide. A little less? <laughs> because at least it wasn't death, but similar. Just both troubling, but maybe in different ways. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Agnes's desperation... I think is is was something else that spoke to Lydia in that moment as well, and that's why she was okay with her becoming an aunt. I didn't yeah. feel like, and I, again, I think she also knew more about her than maybe she was leading on, and what her needs were, and hmm. how maybe she would be used to her advantage mm-hmm. in the future for whatever Lydia's grand plan is. Because we know she's got yeah. one, we just I'm don't so know what it is. Interested to learn right. more about it. So I really um, hated, but. Um, it was it was an amazing part to read, but like I kind of hated reading it. Um, at the very beginning of chapter thirty six, where um, Agnes is, you know, talking about like considering running away from home, mm-hmm. and pretty much immediately turns to, but how would I do that, and where could I go? I had no notion of geography. We did not study it in school, since our own neighborhood should be enough for us. And what wife needed more? I didn't even know how big Gilead was. How far did it go? Where did it end? More practically, how would I travel? What would I eat? Where would I sleep? And if I did, would God hate me? Surely I would be pursued. Would I cause a lot of suffering to others? Like the concubine who was cut into 12 pieces? The world was infested with men who were certain to be tempted by girls who had strayed out of bounds. They would be viewed as loose in their morals. I might not get any farther than the next block before being ripped to shreds. That so directly for me spoke to exactly what happened to um, slaves in America. That was a big part of you just remove them from their home, Mm -hmm. um, isolate them, put them with a bunch of other people in the same situation and very, very, very much and very carefully limit their information. Do not teach them to read. Do not let them congregate together without supervision. Do not give them any resources or way to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Don't teach them about the land that they are surrounded by. They Only are, what they yeah. are supposed to do on this particular plot of land. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know where they are. They don't know where it's safe. They don't even know what direction to go. It just felt so similar to me. And I just hadn't yet felt that, like, very, very, very strong connection to historical actually happened right here slavery and what the especially young women of Gilead are experiencing a little less so for the older women because they were already educated mm-hmm. they already know these things mm-hmm. and you know again can you imagine being Agnes and just in that moment not even knowing how to get to point A you know from point A to point B yeah. I mean she knows her own neighborhood I mean, she says that's, that's it. crazy like the streets around you just and living what else in such what a I small need to world know. right Right. And then you think about everything we know and, you know, experience in life and so much that we take for granted. I almost feel like I've flouted. I've, like, not done a good service collecting knowledge because I should appreciate it more and learn more. Yeah. And And the ironic thing is, too, Gilead wasn't even there, what, 10, 15 years years ago? before that. Right. So it's this this new thing, but she still lives in such a small bubble. Again, there's a lot of strong lines, I think, in this chapter as well about... um, Something about, I wrote something down about a brain. I can't remember. Something about, I pictured a tiny morsel of my brain being sucked through the skin of my forehead Mm -hmm. into his mouth when she thought about kissing him. A thousand such kisses later and my skull would be emptied of brain. And then at the end of this chapter where she says, I had only 14 scant days of life left to me on this earth. How would I spend them? You know, so. I mean, she has pretty depressing options yes, available to her, exactly. really. And then, but, you know, we get to the point where she says, listen, I don't have the resolve to kill myself as much as I would like to. Right, right. Um, in this moment, I would rather kill myself. I am desperate, but I, do, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Maybe I'll try and run away. Oh, wait, then I'll just become an aunt, right? Aunt Lydia comes to her and is and gets her out and mm-hmm. gives her a solution to mm-hmm. get out of this situation. So, um, and, in, and I will tell you in that moment when I, um, read that i i thought oh this is her way out okay something good has to happen here aunt lydia can't be a bad person like why would she offer her this opportunity if she meant harm to agnes so i think this is where it was a turning point for me like yeah aunt lydia has done some terrible things and will probably continue to do some terrible things but what you know it's all got to be for something good it can't be for 
not, right? So I sure hope so. Every time I've thought that so far, I have been you get disappointed. Yeah, I've been so disappointed. But yeah, I I I hope that it is for something that is genuinely good, not just something that she perceives as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I can't I can't see her doing it out of goodwill. I just feel like she has other motives. Because really when you think about it, if she was looking for a young aunt prospect, why would it be the one who is, you know, refusing to kind of honor the tradition of Gilead? You know, why why wouldn't she be looking for a younger aunt prospect in someone who is subservient and believes in the mission of Gilead? So it's just to yeah. me, I'm like, what are you I up think to, she Aunt Lydia? Knows what what <laughs> who what she's made of, who her yeah. mother is, and what she's you know really capable of of doing if that's she's, an interesting perspective. If she's, yeah, you like, know, given the opportunity to know the truth right. about you know what has gone on in like, Gilead. Why are you saving Agnes? Why Agnes? This one? I think it's yeah. because of Offred. So, what do you think about Agnes's like journey to kind of enlightenment through like learning to read, and suddenly so much information is open to her that she never had access to before, or even if she had access to books, like she does, she doesn't know she didn't know what they said, she mm-hmm. didn't know what letters were. I will say I thought of my own children, like when they learned how to read and how, you know, you see such excitement in them. Yes. And suddenly they realize writing is everywhere around them and they just didn't (laughs) notice before. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I feel like that's what I thought of that very joyful perspective of a, you know, six, seven, eight year old who's just starting to acquire like how to put sentences together and, you know, and how to read and to read chapter books and all of these Mm -hmm. things that come to life for them and how they get to discover the outside world. That's what I thought of when I read that part yeah. for Agnes is how all it's these light very bulbs are turning lit. on, which then makes me think, oh, she's got the capacity and the power to be more than just what Gilead has oh, sought out for her. And so. I might be jumping ahead, but her discovering the Bible was super interesting yeah. to oh, me, yeah. too. And she had a line. I wish I could pinpoint so, it right now, but yeah. she had a line of realization that you, I think she said something like, you can't believe in the Bible and believe in Gilead. Um, yeah. I it was think, a huge revelation for her. Yeah. So when she reads, uh, what I think uh, Lee's referencing is when she reads the real, actually from the Bible story of the concubine, oh, who yeah, they were told, right, they right. were told in class, like she sacrificed herself. She made a noble decision to save the men that she served. It was... Not at all what actually happened. And she she found that out for certain for herself. And I think there's also something to be said for, like, the Bible was, like, put in her hands. But, like, she she read it herself. It's not like somebody else just told her, hey, what they told you in school was not right. And then she's taken somebody's word for it. She's, like, able to discover these things firsthand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so much more deeply meaningful. Than somebody just sharing that information with and her. twisting it to that yeah and then that and then who knows what version you're getting exactly. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and a light bulb goes off yeah it was it was kind of amazing to read about her kind of enlightenment and also kind of heartbreaking to think about all of the things that she will never be able to read or you know missed in her life thus far. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we know that she's able to come, you know, out of that. She learns. She learns quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, again, speaks to who she is. I, I love the allusions to Fahrenheit 451. Like, mm-hmm. the books are going to be on fire. Are they flammable? When right. I open it up, oh, my goodness, no no flames came out. Um, I'm I, still know, alive. Yes, nothing. You know, these What was inside it is what made it so dangerous to girls like me. So flammable, so ruinous. Like, you know, what could be in these? And then... You know, just the power of books, again, which I'm, you know, grateful that Atwood, you know, mm-hmm. went back to Bradbury because I think, he, obviously, that's the point of Fahrenheit yeah, 451 one of is, you know, what I, what ideas can do and how powerful they can be um, and how the lack of learning was used as a mode of suppression, like you said, mm-hmm. not only for, yeah. what you know, the young women in Gilead, but even, you know, historically, we have multiple examples where... Yeah, I feel like if we look at any kind of suppression today... You know, withholding of knowledge is still a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about that too, even with students at school, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. and how different schools have different levels of accessibility. 
depending on where they are and, and who funds and them. Exactly. It's very, very different from place to place, even within the same city. And even just, and you know, I'm sorry to get a little political, but even just the current administration trying to discredit the media, like that's a, a tool of knowledge mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the media yeah. gives Americans power and knowledge into this thing that, you know, we wouldn't have any insight into otherwise. And yeah. Um, without know, without people an in power, media, we would be North Korea. Right. And, and when people in power discredit it and, um, you know, falsify it, then it's it's really like taking away a huge, taking away power and knowledge service. from the yeah. people. Absolutely. Yeah. The access to news that we have in this country is crazy sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we're all bombarded by it all the time. It's almost too and much. It's, yes, it's almost too much. But I do very often feel so grateful that mm-hmm. we have so much access to widely varying news sources, not because I'm happy that some of them are bad and, like, patently trying to mislead readers. Not most of them. There are a few. <laughs> right. Um, I think it's amazing that we have access to such a varied free media here. And that's just something that doesn't exist all over the world oh, and yeah, would be really so hard to imagine for some people in certain countries that are, are much more oppressed than we are here. So, And I keep coming back to what Margaret Atwood says is the reason why she wrote this, right? Like everything Yeah, everything is true to, somewhere at yes, some point in time. So some yeah. mode of truth right. somewhere. And, and I don't even think it needs to be, you know, years ago. I think this stuff exists now Definitely. in places that we can't even imagine as as a reality and so um you know i do appreciate that i'm reading this text with that in mind and thinking about it through that lens that this is a reality for someone as much as i'm shocked and you know awed by what happens like yeah so um do you guys think before we move off of agnes do you guys think that um Throughout this section where we get this huge jump in time span, um, at the end of Agnes's part, she says, I've been at Aruda Hall nine years, which is like humongous. Right. Um, Up until this point, it was really easy for me to forget that this wasn't happening in real time, that she Mm -hmm. was like recalling it for the record, basically. Um, But over that time, what do you what do you see that has changed in her? I did feel at the beginning of the chapter where she reveals that it's been so long. Um, at the very beginning of that chapter, I was like, why does she sound older? Um, but then I remembered, oh, she's remembering this. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's an adult. Um, and I guess just the, the subject matter being less... Uh, I, innocence, not the right word. Um, being more informed. Mm-hmm. The subject matter was farther reaching, um, really woke me back up and reminded me that we are getting an adult version of what essentially late childhood Agnes was going through. I will say the nine year jump throws me off. I definitely yeah. like that. I, this is where I feel like the books rushed a little bit. I needed a few more chapters in between i think or something that yeah or maybe like, like more bridge, right more reminders that like time you know time elapsed this is or... this is recalled after a period of time mm-hmm. you know maybe we're jumping around a little bit more before that nine years gets dropped on Boom. us and yeah. i yeah. think she yeah. even says something like life was kind of boring during those nine years or it was static um so maybe yeah. that's their way it does feel yeah. rushed to me they too just, but i they think just that was their way and they were yeah. okay they existed she learned how to read. What do you guys think about the folders of information and dirt that started to turn up on her desk? Because I'm so Lydia's confused. Lydia's got to be putting it there. Oh, absolutely. It's Aunt Lydia. I think she wants her to understand. Again, I think Aunt Lydia sees something in Agnes that, you know, is, again, going to be used in her grand plan, whatever it might be. And she needs her to know these pieces of yeah. the puzzle. Like she's, understand. like, building her army. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that's creepy. Yeah. So weird. But don't you think that it's dangerous for Lydia to be sharing that kind of information with her? I mean, I would think especially given who her mother is and what might be revealed to her. And I think it's even more powerful because of that reason. I mean, I think it's more dangerous to Lydia because because she comes from such such a strong-willed person. And she's she's basically telling her that the ants knew about all these incidents Uh and Lydia didn't do anything. So why would Lydia... 
you know, drop that information on her like that. I'm just confused about the motive. If yeah, it is her. I'm I'm also confused about this. I Lydia says, you know, almost near the end of her section in this set of chapters, um, that she is hoping for the the fall of Gilead, mm-hmm. you know, that that is her ultimate plan. Um, still yet TBD, whether or not that's because it would be better for her or because she realizes it's better for everybody else. Um, but I think revealing this uh, level of deceit and covering up and, you know, people like like Paula being allowed to just remarry and have another family. She inherited a child and then their handmaid had a child. So, like, clearly they're willing to let a lot of things slide if it's the right person or it's convenient for them. I think that might be part of breaking down Agnes's trust in Gilead as, like, an as a as an entity but maybe keeping her trust in the aunts mm-hmm. and this goes on for two years that's a long time yeah i mean i think she just wants her to to know like the details and again i think it'll be clear to us why she does this and yeah. why she chooses agnes i do wish we got a little bit more information about like how frequently over those two years like how many folders did you really right. see like how many bad acts because she, the ones she calls out are fascinating, mm-hmm. but it's just a couple, you know. Who else does she know? No dirt on that could be useful. Then I think we jump to back to Canada when they're prepping mm-hmm. Daisy slash Jade to. Yeah, yeah, it was a hard jump into Daisy for me in mm-hmm. this in this one because the part um, Agnes's part was. Agnes. So fascinating. Here I am jumping. I didn't know if anybody else wanted to say anything else about Agnes or. Um, cause we hear from Aunt Lydia again after Agnes. So I'm trying to go back to, I think chapter 41. I and Daisy and Agnes kind of merge at the end of our yeah. reading. Yes. Yeah. We got a whole lot from Agnes this time. I think this mm-hmm. might be the most we've heard from her thus far. Yeah. I felt like it. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of like gotten so into Agnes and Lydia that I forgot about Daisy for a little bit. Sorry. Sorry, Daisy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're back on Daisy. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're doing you're doing stuff up there, too. Yeah. You are getting tatted up and ready to go <laughs> to head over to yeah. Gilead. So, Sleeping you know, her bridges. Yeah. What she girls crush do. Now. Garth is really she prepping her has. for the <laughs> next uh, next step. Yeah, I think um, the beginning of Daisy's part here where she's, like, getting ready to go and they're prepping her and they're, like, trying to, like, fake make her into punk rock and, like, have a boyfriend and stuff like that made me think of her as even younger because she just seems so naive. Oh, yeah. Like, she she sounded like she had never had a crush on anybody before. Come on. Well, I think that she was pretty protected. You know, she I goes do. to school. I know, but I still feel like she she had to be it in that house crazy. or in the shop, and they didn't really let her experience. That much. seems crazy. So how me. how old? Remind me, thirteen or fourteen? Um, I can't remember if they give us an exact age okay, for her. So I've been assuming I've been assuming I, like fifteen ish, like not yeah. able to like take herself somewhere without her parents. Okay. But old enough that she like resents adults and thinks yes. she knows better She's than definitely them. Definitely an angsty teen. We know that. Oh so yes, we're she, has a, she has a tune. Fifteen, sixteen, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so her, you know, her preparation for this. She's asking a lot of questions, like, really, this isn't who I would be. I mean, is this really necessary? Like, I don't know. She's and obviously she's not getting great answers no she really isn't and i don't know she just blindly goes with them which also tells me like hey do your parents right strangers like you don't know what these people really want from you but i think she was she too was pretty desperate maybe we don't see it as much but yeah obviously if you're 15 and you've just lost the two people you have no one right no one of course you're going to listen to the people in front of you that are telling you this is what we're going to do with you well and they have been taking care of her up to this point you know they were the only people taking care of her so that does, you know, make me think that, of course, she would feel a little more safe with them. But she keeps getting introduced to random other people involved in Mayday. And I don't know that I would be so trusting of this entire group of people. Right. To be fair, because she's known Ada her whole life, really. Or she's well, seen, she's known she's, of she's Ada. Seen Ada. Yeah. Right. But these other people. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I don't know that she, in this moment, is as trusting of what they're saying, like, Gilead will be and how she'll be. You'll go there. You'll get what we need from you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. You'll come back. And, you know, I I don't think she 
necessarily believes that. Yeah, this strategy um, happened quickly. Right. At the end of this chapter on 271, she says, I remembered Sanctuary Care and the women refugees. I looked at them, but I hadn't really seen them. I hadn't considered what it was like to leave a place you knew and lose everything and travel into the unknown. How hollow and dark that must feel, except for maybe the little glimmer of hope that had allowed you to take such a chance. Very soon, I too was going to feel like that. I would be in a dark place, carrying a tiny spark of light, trying to find my way. And um, I don't know, that really just sat with me about just thinking about who, you know, she is and she's going to go mm-hmm. on this journey and what is her ultimate purpose going to yeah. be. I also think about, you know, our current situation where people are trying to cross the border to come into this country mm-hmm. and all that is, especially these women and children, it is hope. It's hope for themselves. Yeah. It's hope for their children. And I don't know. I just felt like Margaret Atwood, again, is another example where she's parallel paralleling like this world with our world. And yeah. And yeah. I thought, you know, Daisy even does some of that kind of comparison herself. She compares her situation to the incoming flights from Gilead in that passage you were reading. Mm -hmm. And I think that says a lot about her um, seeing herself as a part of and in the world instead of just herself contained and like in her her feelings and the world is all about me, like most teenagers feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that seemed like some growth for her, I think. She still doesn't know what's, you know, waiting for her there. She's nervous about it. And I mean, obviously I don't blame her. And I'm not sure she felt completely ready for this journey, but oh, no. obviously she I don't makes think it. So. so she gets to Gilead, meets Aunt Lydia, and then it's really interesting after that. So before we go to Gilead with her, did anybody else feel like um what's her name? Ada? Uh, was anybody else reading her um, voice in the voice of Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Is that just me? Because <laughs> that is basically who that character is for me at this point. No, but I love that. <laughs> okay. Even the now physical description, like what she's wearing kind of even sounds she's like her. An anyway, I'm I digress. I, don't know that sh- I haven't watched You don't that know Brooklyn show. Nine-Nine? No. It's a real good happy show to watch after The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. <laughs> So if you should turn on, on. <laughs> after. Yeah. yeah, get an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine in you before you go to bed after okay. after watching The Handmaid's Tale. So how do you think um, it went when she was, you know, trying to get picked up by the Pearl Girls and then the Pearl Girls take her to this weird place where she's locked in? I was questioning Garth at first. Especially I was because too. the Pearl Girls passed once and then... I, I was, think they passed a second time, and he was like, yeah. oh, no, wait another night. We'll sleep under this bridge for another night. I was like, what is what is he doing? Yeah, at first I was really afraid he was going to try to take advantage of I was of scared, her. too. Oh, I didn't think he would, but really? I knew if they rushed it, the Pearl Girls would, knew, would know something was up. Yeah, that so part did make to, sense, but I felt to, like they could have maybe informed Daisy about that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, didn't, I was I skeptical. I don't see him as a bad guy. I don't know. You did? I don't trust him. Okay. I, I don't know how much I trust any of them now that I know that Lydia is probably the source. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes me call into question each of them on their own. Not necessarily as an organization, but how is what is Lydia telling them to do? What kind of information is she giving them? And if she's the one directing, I still don't feel confident that it's for a good reason. Well, Even if she does want yet. to bring about the downfall of Gilead, you know, I, I don't think that she would shy away from, like harming people in the that just happen to be in the way which very well could be her so when the pearl girls are asking her all those questions like did he do this to you Mm -hmm. did you have sex have you done drugs have you you know or what are these things that you um are accustomed to here in canada and this terrible place that you've grown up you poor child and that's where i thought maybe daisy might lose it like oh gosh answering all these questions yeah Yeah, I don't get the impression that she, like, talked about that a lot before any of this. No. And also, I thought it was really interesting how they basically, like, went down the list of, like, things that would basically relegate you to handmade status in Gilead. Like, oh, yeah, interesting. That was kind of, they were kind of going over things that would keep you from higher position in Gilead. And I guess they probably do that to all of the girls they try to bring back, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I, I I doubt it's because it would make it easier on those girls who they're trying to convert. It's probably because that's genuinely what they believe would be the best people to bring back to Gilead, but creepy nonetheless. <clears throat> then she's in that condo with the Pearl girls, like, oh. Yeah, justifying their pizza. Yeah, yeah this is not a bad-looking <laughs> so, space. Like, yeah. It's really modern and clean. 
Um, and the whole, like, getting her an ID was interesting, too. It seemed very uh, advanced for what I mm-hmm. thought their yeah, plans would be. Yeah, they said they had be. somebody at, like, the consulate yeah. and in immigration so that they could put her photo and fingerprint with that other girl who came right. in from Gilead's information. It was pretty strategic. It was very strategic. And then I was like, holy was shit, surprised. how many people in the Canadian government do they have? That sounds like a lot of people. Yeah, that surprised me. Especially for young girls. You know? Yeah, that's true. To carry out this strategic mission. Well, they're, you know, almost on, so I I guess they're probably trained pretty well. Right, and they're a little bit older than we think they are, right? I think that's another thing we discovered in the last section. I think I misread that at the beginning. Yeah, you just have to have a period to be a wife. Yeah. But to be an aunt, you have to be be much older. Nine years. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Like late 20s, it sounds like. I was thrown off by that at the beginning of the book. I just assumed they were like teenagers. That's what I pictured them, like 15-year-old girls. Right. So we know that, you know, obviously she makes it with them and Mm -hmm. gets out. She's presented as... Yeah. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ceremony sounds so weird. Yeah, bring it in. Not the a, not a super creepy one for Gilead standards, but like weird. Very strange. Well, yeah. Less like, creepy she, than most. How but... is she the only pearl girl brought from other countries that like seems weirded out by this? Mm-hmm. That ceremony is what I was so thinking. Weird. And then later uh, Agnes refers to it as the beautiful ceremony and I was like, "Ooh, girl, really? That's mm. Yikes. So it sounds like we then like get more information on her. She ends that by from the outside. Where she says, "This place is weird as fuck." Yes, oh, I love <laughs> that line. Yeah, and when you listen to it to the audio, it's like, oh, yep, it's yes, so maybe. relatable. It really delivers that with a bang. It's so sure. relatable. Yes. And then we hear more about oh, her say, yeah. later in the in the section. Sorry, go ahead. It was Mae Whitman. Sorry, that's who Daisy's mm. voice is. I can't. Remember. Keep it straight. Yeah. So we hear more about her from both Lydia's perspective and Agnes's mm-hmm. perspective as she's like being introduced to um, Erdahl in the first place and then like being moved in basically with Agnes and her friend, mm-hmm. which is super interesting. Yeah. And it seems like they have kept that third place vacant this whole time mm-hmm. they've been there, which seems super weird. I guess maybe Lydia was just hoping this would happen sooner. I don't know. So, when we go back to Arjua Hall, um, this is when they get Dr. Grove, right? It's our green. What is this last name? I think it's Grove. The dentist, Grove. Yeah. I did think it was really interesting how Lydia is kind of using this need to bring him down as a way to bring in on Elizabeth, who she needs on her side, because now she knows it's Vidala, like, trying to frame Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and thus, like, and in the in the process, like, bring Lydia down. Um, I thought this was a really well-conceived way to make Elizabeth feel important, important. and appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, like, she does have real power and standing among the aunts. Because among the founders, you know, her and the one whose name I keep forgetting seem to have far less power than Lydia and Vidala. So I thought that was very cunning of Lydia. I, I think that's my adjective to describe her period. Cunning. Cunning. But, yeah. I mean, that's who she is. I think every... She would have made a great spy. Everything she oh, does yeah. is Detective. purposeful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you can tell that Anne Elizabeth really appreciated that. And oh, not yeah. from Lydia, too. Yes, right? that you might... Yeah. You may be my successor. Right. Yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And she's side-eyeing Vidala, like... Haha, bitch, I've got you. Yes. <laughs> and I was wondering where the whole like weird story of this statue sabotage with the Yeah, A's where it was going. Was go- yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was like, what is the point of this? But it all kind of tied in with Yeah, I was Anne I was Elizabeth. very confused earlier in the book about like why are we spending so much time talking about a statue? <laughs> like I get it's weird in Gilead to have a statue of anybody, but like really, why are we still talking about it? Right. And this makes so much more sense, especially, you know. Based on how we know Lydia is, like, I'm sure this will not be the last we see of her fight with Vidala for power and, you know, pushing the other out. So I'm sure I'm sure it's well worth uh, hearing all about the stone statue Mm -hmm. that we now know Mm -hmm. a lot about. Exactly. Complete with video cameras. Mm -hmm. (laughs) High tech. Um, You know, I feel like it must have been very difficult for Becca, even though he was a terrible human being and, you know deserve to have some you know yep oh to punishment watch punishment was, for what yeah. he's done but to watch that oh I yeah be. and the way she's 
you know, beating herself up about that in the next chapter is also yeah. um, very difficult yeah, she to fainted read. during it. Right, yeah. right. And, I mean, again, she's a victim of this abuse and once turns around and blames herself again yeah. for, like, this was my fault for mm-hmm. happening. And um, If Gilead had counselors, it would be so much more bearable <laughs> for yeah. people not being raped every day. Yeah, well... I think in some way Lydia sees herself as that, right? As like, I will counsel you to come enmeshed in my web the mm-hmm. way I want you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ants see themselves as pseudo-counselors in some ways. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Like, but they don't they don't operate with other people's best interests in mind. No. So <laughs> it's not not very um, effective. That, yeah, or empathetic or in any way. Thera- therapeutic. Yeah, it would have been nice if Becca could have sat that one out. If Becca could have... Not, you know, if he could have died some other way, not, you know, a horrible way that is because he was accused of raping somebody, I think even that would have been so much easier for her to handle mm-hmm. if he had just been, you know, killed in a car accident or something, yes, like something incidental. In yeah, but like watching the brutal nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time reading about um, persecutions generally. Oh, um, yeah. They're like some of the hardest parts for me to read about. Um, or see on the show. Um, but this like felt extra bad because it was being described by people that I think of as very young and close to childhood, uh-huh. even yeah. though they are actually speaking later on from a greater age. But it just seems so much worse. And Jade was there. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to hear. Um, yeah, and she, she is much younger. And definitely has never seen anything like that. Yeah. That will lucky her. Yeah. Yeah. I think Agnes even said, you know, she was used to them. Which is so, oh, poor girl. I know. Should never get used to that. Yeah, Jade slash Daisy is definitely shocked. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yes. As anybody would be. And this is where you, um, where they say how boring their life was nine years after. Mm-hmm. Plus, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, she even says time was passing. Or her time was filled, but it didn't seem to pass. Right. So I yeah. guess that's... Frozen in some way, preserved as if in ice. Yeah, I think that's their way of kind of, you know, nodding to the fact that it's weird that nine years is passing suddenly in this book. <laughs> like, nothing happened. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. I was just being indoctrinated, you know. <laughs> no big deal. So... You know, it's... Again, it's interesting at the end of this where you see them have some empathy for Lydia, right? About what all of those women from that generation went through and how they have edges to them because they are they knew a life prior to Gilead. And, you know, we are the yeah. beneficiaries of their, yeah. of their or fighting. It, and, yeah, and according to what they've been told, you know, it's a terrible thing to have been alive and living prior. your life before Gilead. Right. And on 288, it says, but it's difficult to be grateful for the absence of an unknown quantity. I'm afraid we did not fully appreciate the extent to which those of Aunt Lydia's generation had been hardened in the fire. Yet a ruthlessness about them that we lacked. Um, and I yeah, I think it's so interesting that she says that. And, you know, as a reader, we know that the hardness about them that they have, that the young girls lack, is due to Gilead. Mm-hmm. Right. It is due yeah, to the, the takeover exactly. and all of their rights being taken away from them and having to do terrible things to other people to, other people. to be able to survive. Yeah. And Lydia alludes to that, you know, throughout the book multiple times. like To, our, to just, us, the reader. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. But not to them, obviously. But yeah. Says, you know, I had to do what I needed to do to survive in this world and what I needed to do to get um, what I wanted at the end. But I don't necessarily believe that they don't have, you know, what it takes or the grit to do what it needs, what needs to happen. I think that, you know, obviously they're not, they haven't been put in a situation where they need to exercise that. But um, I think that anybody, if pushed in a certain position, could be ruthless if they Mm -hmm. needed to be. To survive, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think overall? Any overall conclusions from this section or um, based on how it ended? What do you expect for our last leg of this book i keep going back and forth as to where um agnes is in her in her you know wanting to conform and being this ant status and like on the edge of rebellion um so that's super interesting to me uh because she says things to support both like sometimes i think she's deep into it and she's you know she wants to be an ant she wants to go on this 
Pearl Girl mission. Um, and she believes she wants to conform. Yeah. But then she'll have glimmers of, oh, this... Questioning thing. Yeah, questioning yeah. and being more inquisitive and seeing the Attic light girl. through yeah. reading. And, yeah, I'm like, what side are you going to land on? Yeah. It's so hard to know. I feel like there are so many players that will probably carry a lot of weight in which way she goes. That's It's really tough to predict. And obviously, um, you know, Agnes and Daisy being in the same room. Right. I can't wait to see what happens with that. Yeah. I think that's probably a really interesting plot device because it's not going to work the way it works in every other, you know, book or movie situation where, like, you put two sisters that don't know their sisters in a room together and, like, eventually they figure it out. Like, that's not going to happen here. Their information. Yeah. Their their information (laughs) has been so restricted. It's not going to be like Parent Trap at all. They're not going to be like, this is great. I have a sister. You know, one of them is, you know, the missing baby. <laughs> and the other one, you know, knows that her, her mother was a handmaid, but that's really all she knows. Yeah, she doesn't know say, anything do you, about where she came from. At this point, do both of them know their mother was a handmaid or just Agnes? I think, uh, they, I think just Agnes. I think Daisy just knows that her that the people she thinks of as her parents weren't her parents. Okay. Right. And that... And well, no, I guess she does now she, that she yeah, knows she she's baby Nicole. She knows she must be a handmaid's daughter when she was yeah, prepping to go into Gilead. Because they do reference them as you know her legal status mm-hmm. parents. Right. Yeah, I think she just Gilead. hasn't said it yet. Yeah, I think you're right. So that'll be interesting. But how many girls must there be like that? Oh, out there? Right, so right. many. Yeah. What about you, Angie? Um, well, I will say that I think that. The lies and the information and the secrets are all going to um, definitely be used to Agnes's benefit at some point. And I feel like I need to stop there. But I don't want to spoil anything. But I will definitely say that um, the next section reads very quickly. Okay. Because there are some leaps that I didn't appreciate in the text, mm, yeah. so just FYI, I'm, I'm, that's probably. All I think I that's will inevitable. Say. Like this is a this is not a tiny book, right? But it's I not a it's not you know a brick, but it's not a tiny book. No, but I feel like there are parts that I wanted more information on that I'm like that happened too fast. That's, yeah, and then yeah. goes back to like what Sarah said the first episode where it's like it felt a little rushed or mm-hmm. sloppy. Like yes, um, I, I don't know if I necessarily like the word sloppy for Margaret Atwood. Yeah, I don't know either, I but is, I do feel like. It was a lot to pack in. Yes. And it's like, oh, flesh that out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. to know more about that. So, yeah. Or, um, you know, give us another book. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be sad about that either. I would not be sad about that either. But um, I think that's where I will stop. Yeah. How about you? Um, I am really, really interested to see, like, what is Lydia's great plan? Oh, you know, yeah. this section, I felt like I flip-flopped back and forth between thinking like, oh, maybe she's on her side. Oh, wait, that seems pretty evil. Oh, wait, maybe this is going to be good. Oh, wait, no, that's a secret she just wants. You know, I was just like back and forth the whole time, um, even more so than usual with Lydia. So I feel like hopefully this is like building me up to be, you know, to get something big revealed and mm-hmm. and have a great understanding of Lydia's plan and maybe like how far back it goes or, you know, who else was involved or the intricate strings she had to pull throughout all of these years. I'm really interested to see just how that shakes out. Um, and I hope if she is able to bring about the downfall of Gilead, I hope it's very public and like very like airing grievances. I think that would be wonderful. Also, random note that I noticed, because, like, I do not read ahead. I know a couple of people that, like, read the last bit of a book before they read the book through. Oh, gosh, how they can do that. And I could never do that. But I do often just, like, randomly flip through pages because I am very fidgety. And when I have a book in my hand, I do that sometimes. And I did notice, like, on the section section pages, so not the individual chapter pages, but on the section pages where we're, you know, we know who we're about to hear from based on the image on the page. I did notice there are some later that have multiple <gasps> characters' images on them, oh which is very interesting to me. Wow. So, 
yeah, I'm I'm just like really excited to read more. Um, I confess it was really difficult to stop to stop where mm-hmm. I was supposed to stop for this talk tonight. <laughs> I actually, when I read that, I thought we needed to go t- 15 more pages for really? this section because then I would have felt a little more closure about what happened. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I think you guys yeah. will see what I mean. When yeah, we, we definitely like made our decisions about what we were reading each time, not knowing at all what was right. contained in any chapter. Natural, yeah. yeah. So we we're just looking for like close to roughly the same size page breaks but um yeah pretty much every time i've been like oh but i need a little more which is why i had to finish it i could not help myself (laughs) i I don't blame you i don't blame you i talked about this text with ria at school because she has read it and Mm -hmm. she said oh just hold on i can't wait to talk about it you know when you're finished reading because what did you think about it i said stop right there (laughs) yeah you know so i would like to go back to her and have a conversation with her oh yeah this week or next just to say all right Give it to us. Give it to us. <laughs> yeah. I need a longer yeah. episode yeah. for this last one. Yeah. And for long-time listeners, you might have recognized the name Rhea um, as an OG Mayday um, host uh, a long time ago. It was um, – Justin and Rhea and myself and another host and Rhea had to go to take care of other obligations and we were super sad to see her go. But I'm I'm hoping maybe we can at least get her opinion digitally. Yeah, I think that'd know, be awesome. On some of these posts. Um, Definitely. So listeners, if you also really, really want to hear Rhea's perspective, please let us know on the Facebooks and wherever you like to leave notes and reviews for us. Um, it will it will help me get her to to comment for us so give me the power so i look forward to our conversation next week yes yes to finish same same um all of you reading along with us i hope you're as excited as we are for the last hundred pages of this book um and yeah happy reading we'll see you next week thank you Bye. bye